ladies and gentlemen, this is the Vanilla Wafer Podcast. Get all your news, results, and rankings here on the podcast channel. It's history time with your host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? This is Vanilla Wafers. Yes, that is right. We're doing something a little different today. It is not Monday. It is not Friday. We're not doing rankings or results. We're doing something a little different. We are going to be going back and looking at the past of NASCAR, whether it was bums, whether it was Amazing Seasons, or whatever the hell I decided to throw on here for you guys to listen to. Some actually pretty interesting information for me personally, or as Momo likes to quote it, mediocre. Anyways, before I get started, just to let you guys know, Wednesday is going to be a little different in a couple of weeks. We are going to have some races on Wednesdays, including races in Charlotte, Bristol, maybe even Darlington. The schedule is going to get really compact so we can get right back into our regular schedule so they can have the full 36 races. But until then, we need some information and I need to practice on doing podcasts on Wednesday. So we're going to start off with a topic and I'm going to pull one randomly or actually I'm going to let one of my personas or guests be the ones who picks out the topic that we will be discussing today. So first up is... Oh, Damn it. It's arrogant analysts. You called it an action packed race. I called it a snooze fest. Alright, I'm just begging you. I'm just begging you right now. Please, please, just give me a topic I can work with. Oh, don't worry. I got a good action pack episode for you. Here's the topic we're going to be doing on. As lousy as your podcast first season has been, let's look at some of the lousiest seasons we have ever seen from NASCAR drivers from 2000 and beyond. <laughs> you know, I think I could actually do that. Yeah, let's do something like that. I think that will work, but I think we should have limitations or at least a few rules as far as talking about which drivers did absolutely horrible. Momo, why don't you give us some rules? Mm? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Rules. Uh, ooh, I got it. One season per driver. We can't have Michael Waltrip on here ten times. Second, it has to be mostly a full season. No part-timers, because part-timers suck anyways. And third, they have to have raced in the main series. Vanilla Wafers cannot be on this list for his lousy dirt season. It can only be top series drivers. Thank you. Alright, well, I guess that was alright, except for the last one. And one more thing. Georgia Gary, what's the highest you can count? I can't. Okay, we're just going to do a random number of drivers then to talk about. So, let's get into it. This is the worst drivers from 2000 beyond. We better be starting off this list well, otherwise we're never going to do this ever again. Oh, don't worry, you whore of attention. I got a good one that we're going to be starting off with. We're going to be starting off with a driver with the most all-time starts in NASCAR. He's been racing for 24 years in the top series, and he's from Lakeland, Florida. That is Joe Nemechek, driver of the number 87 machine when he was in the Cup Series, now in the number 8 for the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. 
What puts him on this list is not only does he have the most last place finishes in than any other driver in the Cup Series, that's pretty bad. It has to be his 2011 results for the Cup Series. He had his own team. He was driving the number 87 Toyota Nimco Motorsports. So everyone was pretty excited to see how well he would do. He did atrocious. And when I mean atrocious, here is his best finish. It was at Daytona in the middle of the year, and he finished 30th place. Out of 43 cars in a pack racing where everyone has the same chance, and he finished in the top 39 eight out of the 36 races. The rest of the time, he finished 40th, 41st, 42nd, or 43rd. <laughs> Just to give you an idea on how many points he was accumulating per race, one point for every position you're at, he scored an average four points per race. That is one of the worst results I have ever seen from any driver in this modern era. And Joe Nemechek, you've done a lot of great stuff in your career, but near the end of the career, it wasn't that great. And 2011 shows it the most. You had one of the worst seasons I've ever seen from 2000 and beyond. E, that was pretty bad, but in his defense, it was his own team. So how can you even beat that? Very true, very true. He was funding his own team. I will give you that. But how about a driver who had so much potential that in fact he was the 2003 NASCAR Bush Series Rookie of the Year. That's the series below the top series. And he did absolutely nothing with none of the teams that he ever worked with. I'm talking about South Bend, Indiana's driver, David Stremme. David Stremme has ran over 200 races in a span of nine years. It sounds great, but then you look at his top 10 results. <laughs> he has three top 10s out of 200. So 1.5% of the time he was gonna get a top 10. That's pretty damn bad. But let's look at the teams he was with. People would say, oh, he's probably with underfunded teams. No, 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 no. He was with Chip Ganassi Racing and Penske Racing, some of the top teams in NASCAR at the time. I mean, Penske Racing won the Daytona 500 the year before when he joined on, and he was so bad he got fired um, almost by the end of the year. He had three more races to go, and they said, nope, he's done. It was like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. But the one I want to focus on the most was 2006, his rookie year. Everyone had so much potential in him. They were just like, this is going to be the next greatest drive. We're going to put him in a top equipment in the number 40 Coors Light car. Now, if you watch racing back in the early 2000s, that Coors Light silver bullet machine was badass. It was such a good looking car. Well, Sterling Marlin was very successful in it. He almost won the championship in 2002, only if he did not get his injury. And by the end of his year, you could tell he was starting to get done by in 2005, so they moved it on over to David Stremme. They were like, let's see how the rookie can do. He did not crack the top 20 until race 15 out of 36. And he finished 33rd in the point standings. It was so bad that Coors Light left for good and never returned. This once great team in the early 2000s folded. The 40 team was never the same again. It was like, oh my gosh, you gotta be horrible, just horrible to be able to ruin a team that had that much potential. So, sorry David Stremme, 2006, welcome to the Cup Series. It was one of the worst seasons I've ever seen.
Man, that's worse than the time that I saw my wife without makeup. Cause my wife's a pig, so she ugly anyway. Uh, Georgia Gary, you are so f***ing disgusting. Alright, yes, that was pretty bad, but how about a driver who was even in a better ride? I am talking about none other than the guy who gets more shit on than two girls in a video called Two Girls, One Cup. Don't ever watch it. Please don't. That is J.J. Yaley. Now, anyone who's been in the racing world has heard about J.J. Yaley, mostly in a negative manner. He was born in Phoenix, Arizona. He's a Phoenix driver. He's raced in over 294 races, and he has eight top tens. A little bit better than David Stremme, hence a little bit. But he was in prime equipment. He was with a team that 2005, they won the championship. I'm talking about Joe Gibbs Racing. This guy was only able to get three top tens in the number 18 car. The number 18 car is one of the top cars in NASCAR. He finished 29th in points in 2006. He did so bad that once he left was when Kyle Busch came in and took the 18 car is when that car started to become a championship caliber car. That car got eight wins the next season. This guy couldn't even get a freaking top 10 to save his life. He, he did it like once every 15 races. It was horrible. That's why J.J. Yelly got let go and then he was doing everything he could to scalvage for another ride. He was able to find one with Whitney Motorsports where he got more horrible finishes. His best finish was like a 23rd and it wasn't even with that team. And he finished 35th, 38th, and then by then he's only been with small, mediocre teams since then. Now he drives for Rick Rare Racing and still getting horrible results. He didn't even make the Daytona 500. So, J.J. Yaley, it was at this moment, this moment right here, picture 2006, you had the Interstate Batteries car, oh my gosh, what a ride, and you blew it, blew it, horribly, horribly, yeah, that's, this was without a doubt one of the worst seasons I've ever seen from a top series car. J.J. Yelly drove the number 18 car as bad as Congress taking care of the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Uh, political joke. Yeah, about a worldwide crisis. Yeah, that's good PR. You know who else was horrible with PR when it came to NASCAR was Robbie Gordon. That's the next guy I'm going to talk about. This is the driver from Los Angeles, California. Now, he was with the Richard Childress Racing Team, and he was actually doing okay for a team that wasn't doing good at all. But then he decided that because he had a big mouth, he always got into a fight with everybody, like I said, bad PR, he decided to say, well, I'm gonna open up my own team. And in 2005, he did that with the number seven car known as Robbie Gordon Motorsports, and it was horrible. The only highlight that he had in that entire year, he had two highlights. One, he finished second at Watkins Glen. That was great. Road course ringers could do that. He was a road course ringer, which is someone who does really good at road courses, but nowhere else. And two, he threw a helmet at Michael Waltrip's car because he got pissed off. They wrecked him under caution. Those are the only two highlights that that guy had, and he still got fined in one of those highlights. It was ridiculous, but he did not qualify for seven races, and he got more DNFs than Danica Patrick usually does on an average season. I mean, it was so bad that the team ran out of money by the end of the 2011 season, and he had it well financed. He had his own sponsors, but he was doing so bad that he just ran out of income. 
So now he runs the Super Stadium trucks, and that is actually doing really well. So he's really bounced back in that. But when it came to NASCAR, he did not have any good seasons at all. In fact, he had one of the worst seasons, which was 2005 with the number 7 car. That left striper sounded like a dick. Ah, well, using the word dick, I don't condone that. But speaking of dick, how about the guy who drove the dick pill car? The extends number 37 car, 87 car, 07. He was horrible. I'm talking about the rookie of the year for 2010. That is Kevin Conway from Cornelius, North Carolina. Now, I know what you're thinking, but he was 2010 Cup Series rookie of the year. How in the world is he on this list? Well, I shall tell you, you discounted Mickey Mouse wannabe. Um, what happened was, basically, he was the only guy who ran for the Rookie of the Year seasons. It's considered one of the worst Rookie of the Year seasons in modern NASCAR era because he was the only driver. He won by default. Anybody could have announced that they were a rookie and they could have did better than Kevin Conway because this guy was so bad, he got, he got fired from two teams in that year, but people kept hiring him because they wanted that good old Rookie of the Year bonus check. And his sponsor, Extends, was so bad because, um, basically, you can know what Extends is about. It's, it's, it's a drug that makes your pee pee bigger. And basically, the drug didn't work, so they were having their own lawsuits, and then they didn't pay their own teams. He was driving for Front Row Motorsports. His best finish was the 14th, which sounds good, but it was um, a restricted plate race, more specifically. Ever, and all the other races, he finished usually 28th or worse. Could not get a good finish to save his life. So then he moved on over to Robbie Gordon Motorsports. We just talked about him. That was a mediocre team. His best finish there was 31st, and he got fired from there. Then he moved to Nemco Motorsports the very next year, Joe Nemechek's team, and we already know how that went. He got nothing but last places with him or just did not qualify for the race. This guy sucks so much, he was never given another ride again, and he destroyed two teams because Nemco Motorsports did not exist after he was done and Robbie Gordon Motorsports did not exist after this was done because his sponsorships which kind of just used no spit but they could not extend <laughs> dick joke um it was just a horrible season so uh, this is without a doubt one of the worst seasons I've ever seen from a rookie driver but the fact that he got rookie of the year oh dear god what a black eye Kevin Conway you suck I'm gonna try that new product on my next channel union. Woo! Oh my gosh, Georgia Gary, you are so freaking gross. I'm starting to like arrogant analysts over you at this point. You know who else was also really gross was uh, Scott Speed in the number 82 car. Um, the, uh, the reason why I say that is because this is one of the only known drivers who says who wears an adult diaper during a race, but that doesn't make him a bad driver. Uh, believe me, he's actually pretty good. He's from California, and he raced a total of 118 races, and he got only four top tens. It was pretty bad, but nothing was worse than his stint at the number 82 team with Red Bull Racing. Red Bull Racing was a fairly successful Toyota team. Started off in 2007, kind of folded within a couple of years because they just ran out of sponsorship. Red Bull was done sponsoring them and they had to move on. And AJ Allmendinger was one of their first drivers. He got let go and he went to Richard Childress Motorsports. So he said, hey, we want another guy who's similar like AJ Allmendinger. Well, let's get Scott Speed. He shouldn't be that bad. 
Oh boy, were they wrong. Scott Speed's best finish in the first 10 races was a fifth place finish at Talladega. Yes, it sounds good, but then again, it was packed racing. All the cars were equal. You can't barely count these races. And it was also a race with a lot of accidents. Besides that race, his best finish was 21st. He missed two races with um, the number 82 team. And then his best finish after that was a 15th at Bristol. I mean, the dude barely finished in the top 35 in points, which doesn't sound great at all. Believe me, it sucks. But at least he gave the team at least five guaranteed starts the next race. That was a rule that they used to do back then. But this son of a bitch could not get Red Bull racing in the right direction. And just to let you know how bad he was, Brian Vickers was his teammate. He made it in to the playoffs that year, which means you got to race in the top 12. So they had the same equipment. Here's Brian Vickers basically competing for a championship, and then there's this son of a bitch who can't even make a race. It's one of the worst seasons I've ever seen between two different drivers, one doing so good and another driver doing so bad. That is why Scott Speed had one of the worst seasons, in my opinion, and that was in 2009. You're kind of going overboard on this, sir. We look at the time. Look, I know that this is going a little bit longer, but trust me, I only just got a couple more drivers to cover on, and then we'll be done, okay? I mean, it's your listeners that are suffering, not me. Oh my gosh, what a prick. Alright, uh, we're going to do the final two, and these guys are both really, really bad, and it just so happens to be on the same season. I mean, 2007 was a brutal season for a few drivers, but I'm going to talk about the guy who's probably given the biggest black eye to NASCAR in most recent memory, not counting Kyle Larson. That is Jerry Mayfield, driver of the number 36 Bill Davis racing car in 2007. This was a brand new opened up team. Jerry Mayfield was pissing off everybody he could find. He was with Penske's team in the early 2000s. He pissed him off, so he got booted to Everham Motorsports. And then he got booted from Everham Motorsports in 2006 because um, he let everyone know that Ray Everham was getting freaky with one of his drivers. That's a, that's a whole different story. We'll go into that one. It's kind of a hilarious story, but he needed to find a car. He picked Bill Davis Racing, a team who just went to Toyota, and they were thinking, great, he's got a sponsor. He's going to do absolutely great. He didn't make 14 out of the 36 races, and the races he did make, his best finish was 23rd at Talladega. Ouch. That is bad. We did not see him on the racetrack until the fifth race of the season because he could not qualify to save his life. Um, he did better near the end, but the damage was already done. I mean, this dude raced like he was on meth. Oh, oh, uh, sorry, a little too soon on that. Uh, if in case you did not know, a couple years later, this dude was busted for methamphetamine in his system, and he said that he sued NASCAR, but then uh, police found a pound and a half of meth in his vault. So, I mean, this dude was definitely not doing very well. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure he was guilty of that one, but... 2007 was his last full-time season, and believe it or not, it was kind of a, his season was basically done at this point, and um, yeah, this is one of the worst seasons I've ever seen by far from a driver, but I think there was one driver who did worse in 2007. Now it is time, ladies and gentlemen, who had one of the worst seasons ever recorded in... NASCAR history from 2000 and beyond. 
who was so god-awful that the entire world was beating him at one point. I think you guys already know who it is. That is the lovable loser himself, Michael Waltrip from Kentucky in 2007 in the number 55 Toyota. Oh my gosh, this is one of the worst results I have seen and I don't think it's ever going to get broken. So he made the first race of the season, the Daytona 500. This was great for this team because it was a brand new team. The only problem was the team was caught cheating. The team had basically rocket fuel in their engines. That is a big no-no in NASCAR. That is just pure, like, you you do not cross that line. Anything messing with the engine, NASCAR just goes, Ree! So he got a 30-place finish. And he got negative 150 points. So he had negative 27 points going into the next race. So he had to make it back up. Everyone was beating him at this point. And for 11 straight races, this dude did not qualify. 11 straight races. It was a living joke with this number 55 team. Basically, this team was so bad that anyone who thought about joining this team, they were just like, you just don't want to race on Sundays, do you? It was it was horrible. He, he ruined so many drivers with his brand new team. David Rudiman did horrible. Dale Jarrett missed a bunch of races. But without a doubt, Michael Waltrip was the biggest joke. Yes, he did get two top tens. But I mean, he could have got a bunch of top tens by the end of the year. The fact that you were beaten by the rest of the world till into the month of June? <laughs> My goodness, dude. That is without a doubt one of the worst seasons we will ever see in probably NASCAR history. And it happened in 2007 with the number 55 Toyota of Michael Waltrip for Michael Waltrip Racing. And in memory of this horrible, horrible season, we're going to end this segment with a send out with the Coffin Dance Me song. Let's hit it. Oh, no. Oh, for Pete's sake, brother. 29.56. Not fast enough. Parks flying everywhere. Another tough day for Michael, who has made only the Daytona 500 this season. Got some work to do there. And for the third week in a row, Michael Walter will head to the house. I'll tell you, boys, it did break in my heart to watch this. And that will conclude some of the worst drivers from the 2000 Beyond season. I think that is a great way to start off these Wednesday episodes. Will we keep doing those? We shall see. I know we're going to be having races on Wednesday here soon, so we're going to have to be doing the results of those races as well. So we'll see how we join everything together. These videos look like they're going to be a little bit longer than our everyday Monday through Friday video, so we shall see. Momo, how did you like the new uh, episode that we did today? E. Feels like another day putting up with your bullshit. Momo, that is really, really uncalled for. Okay, Arrogant Analyst, what did you think about it? It felt like I was hearing about your life story over and over and over again. Okay, you know what? I'm going to kill you one of these days. And then, Georgia Gary, what did you think about this? I, I wasn't paying attention. Well, great. Well, that was a waste of time. But hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what you guys think about this. We're going to probably start doing this from now on. We'll we'll see. Um, especially, it's all going to depend on how the current situation goes with everything going on in the world. But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys had a great time listening to this. I certainly enjoyed myself. And I hope to see you guys all in the next episode. You all take care.